Good morning, church. You can open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to do part two of Christ-centered homes. We're going to look this morning at rhythms and warnings. It's going to get very, very practical. I don't remember a time that I had more things and papers and books up here along with the Bible. That's the most important book to be at uh, when you're preaching. But uh, we're going to get very, very practical. So I'm glad you're here. We've made a habit of praying for other pastors. We want to pray for a gentleman named Matt Hensley. He is on staff at a church um, in Farmersville, Texas, but he also is the associational missionary, which means he preaches at all kinds of other churches. And he's just finished walking uh, FBC Josephine through a pastor search process. They're presenting a candidate in the coming weeks, which is very exciting for that church, but he's preaching there for the last time this week. And so let's pray for Pastor Matt as he preaches and let's pray for FBC Josephine as they take uh, potentially a new pastor, which is very exciting for that church. And then we'll continue in Deuteronomy 6. Let's pray. Lord, you are good and there are so many things to celebrate. We celebrate salvation. We celebrate um, redemption. We celebrate the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We celebrate that we have victory in Jesus, that we are more than conquerors. We celebrate your glory, God, and we want to stand in awe of you. Even as we have uh, these children, so many children in the worship service, uh, help us as adults approach you with a childlike faith, that we would see you as bigger than you are. We pray for uh, First Baptist Josephine. As they hear from Pastor Matt for the last time, would he be an encouragement? Would he preach the word boldly? Uh, Would he also leave that place excited, excited about the days ahead, uh, that transition is coming to an end? And I ask for your grace and for your anointing on this pastor candidate as he's presented in the next coming weeks. Would you use that church in a mighty way for the kingdom, that they would be on mission and they would see the kingdom of Christ advance? And would you use us In a very similar way, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Of course, we celebrate uh, children joining us. I want you to know, uh, this is very exciting too. You saw a baptism last week, and so we're going to play that video in the second service. Uh, I had a little battery issue. I was supposed to press play in the second service. We would have shown you a video of a 14-year-old young man getting baptized last week. I just got to praise God for this. Every Sunday in August, there will be someone in those baptistry waters. Is that amazing or what? And so for the next, uh, the next couple of weeks, there's going to be baptisms. There are three, if you count that video, in the second service. And so if I do my job right, you're going to get out of church a little early today. It's going to be more like, you know, 1035 instead of 1045. All right? I just got to do my job. Okay? With that being said, let me remind you where we've been in Deuteronomy 6. Rhythms. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about the practical part of the process, practicing the process of teaching our children diligently how to love God with all their heart, soul, and might. And we impress those things on our kids. We teach them diligently. And so as we walk through this, you're going to see very uh, practical examples of how we can do that. Last week, we looked at God's plan, and it's God's plan for one generation to pass down faith to the next. This week, we're going to spend more time on the process. So kids, this is is a freebie for you. If you miss that Parenting in the Pew seminar, kids in the room, let me see all your hands. Kids in the room, kids in the room. I'm I'm looking around the room, kids in the room. Okay, now with your hands still up, hey, I see those hands back there. Uh, 
grab mom or dad's hand, okay? And if you hear me say the word faith, just squeeze their hand, all right? Every time, you don't have to hold their hand the whole sermon, but if you hear me say faith, passing down the legacy of faith, squeeze your hand, all right? As God's designed that we should teach our kids what it is to have faith in Jesus. Squeeze your hand, all right? That's one way for you to listen and not just be distracted the whole time we're doing this preaching thing. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll walk through this morning. Deuteronomy 6. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land to which you're going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. That's the plan there. You, your son, your son's son. A generation, a legacy of faith. Kids, did you get that faith? Anyone? Kids in the room? Did you get that faith? A legacy of faith passed down from one generation to the next. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, the Shema, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, I told you last week, if you don't have little kids in the home, this is not your invitation to tune out, all right? All scripture is breathed out by God, which means all of us have something to learn right now in this moment. If you're a grandparent, you can encourage your adult children to be passing on a legacy of faith. You can be praying for your grandchildren. If you're an older sibling, you can pour into your younger sibling. If you're single and you don't have kids, maybe you love on some kids in this church family. Maybe you would take the challenge to become a spiritual grandparent. You see all kinds of kids in the service coming in the next weeks, and you say, you know what? I'm going to make it my aim to check in on that family. And when they're not here, I'm going to call them. And when they are here, I'm going to pray for them. And, and when I see mom struggling with three or four kids and, and they're a little distracted, I'll just go sit next to them and say, you could squeeze my hand too, right? Maybe you take that challenge. I've heard from a lot of grandparent-aged people that live here in our community that say, I'd love to do that. I just need to know which family. I say, well, just be bold. Just be bold and go introduce yourself. It's a church family that we have. So everyone cluing in and everyone paying attention. Quickly, I'll say this, verse 1 through 3, review the plan. Review the plan. It's a legacy of faith. Your son, your son's son, and his son. Passing down a legacy of faith from one generation to the next. This is God's plan for the home. That mom and dad would be the primary spiritual leader in the home. That they would love God with all their heart, soul, and might. And then we see this illustration of no broken links in the chain. Now, this is very important. I'm going to close with this idea, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you a little foreshadow. If there's a broken link in the chain, right, you see what happens here. That chain is weaker, right? If you fail to teach these things to your children, there's a broken link in the chain. 
you might have come from a home where there's a broken link in the chain. And if that's you, in, in, in a lot of ways, that was me. As we close this service, I'm going to tell you exactly what God can do in his power and in his might to use you to be the first unbroken link in the chain. That you would pass down a legacy of faith from one generation to the next. That's the plan. It's God's plan. And look at this briefly at verse 6. These things shall be on your hearts. The parent has to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what Jesus said in the Gospels. Deuteronomy 6 says, all your heart, all your soul, all your might. And they shall be on your heart. This is a priority. The plan, God's plan that he gave for your home is not just something that you put on the back burner and say, I might get around to that. It's going to collect a little bit of dust and you say, I might do that one day. No, no, no. These things shall be on your heart. It should be important. Teach these things diligently. That's God's plan. So let me ask, if you were here last week, is there anything you did differently this past week? It is never my intent to step on people's toes. I think the Holy Spirit gets to do that. But I do want to be a messenger of God and I want to be used by God to clearly communicate truths from the word. And so let me ask you again. You heard this whole sermon. You've got kids or you've got grandkids or you've got nieces and nephews and you could have done something. God said, here's one thing you should do and you had the right idea and you had the right plan. Did you do it? Or did you fail to do it? If you did it, praise God. Grow from that. Little steps of obedience in the right direction make a huge difference. If you failed to do it, we talk about this in discipleship. You don't look at the past. You don't stay in regret and shame. You fail forward. And you say, all right, I'm, I'm going to do what Paul said in Philippians 3. I'm not going to look at the past. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to press on towards the upward goal of Christ Jesus. And so if you failed, praise God, there's grace. But don't stay stuck in your failure. Fail forward. That this week you might do one little thing, one little step, right? Pray over your kid. Use a blessing card. Any of the ideas that I'm going to talk about, just one little step of obedience to the Lord that grows, and then you've made lots of steps uh, in the right direction, making a huge difference. I want you to know that God has grace for you, but I also want you to have this impressed on your heart. Number one, review the plan. Number two, practice the process. Briefly, teach these things diligently. Talk of them when you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. I told you last week, step one of the process, mom and dad, spiritual leader, grandma, grandpa, you must first love God with all your heart, soul, and might. That's step one. If you don't love God first, step two is not going to happen. You have to love God with all your heart, soul, and might. That clearly is step one. You'll never be intentional with the process God's given if you don't first completely, wholeheartedly surrender to the Lord and, and press through a wholehearted devotion. If that's true, then step two can be true. You can teach these things diligently to your children. Did you see it right there in the Bible? Verse seven, teach them diligently to your children. This is the process. Love God, teach your children how to love God. Love God, pass down a legacy of faith. Kids, I just said faith. Kids in the room, I just said faith. Pass down a legacy of faith 
to one generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. So that's pretty easy. We spent half an hour talking about plan and process last week. Now we're going to really get into the details of this process. Step two, teaching diligently. I want to encourage you to find a rhythm in your home. Find a rhythm. If the Bible says, here are the times that we can be intentional. When you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, there is a rhythm in that. There is a daily rhythm. Tucking the kids in, waking the kids up, walking by the way, sitting in the home. Find a rhythm that works for you. Not every family is the same. Not every family is going to do the same thing. But I do need to just challenge you to find a rhythm. Now, the language here, it says, teach these things diligently. If you look at the Hebrew, it, it gives some reference to a repeated action. The NIV says, impress these things onto your children. I like that picture, right? You just press a stamp. This is the way I want you to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But I think the Hebrew is even better. It talks of a repeated action. So I'm not really great at this, but I love this pocket knife. It was given to me uh, by my wife. Uh, her parents have a hardware store that, that stocks these great case knives. It's really shiny. It's really sharp. I don't need to do this because it's still pretty sharp. But if you know anything about sharpening knives, you get a honing stone. I just learned it's called a honing stone. You hone it in, right? You hone in your blade. If I just do this once, is my knife sharp? By the way, I love that, that you can hear that. Can you hear that? If I just do this once, my knife is not sharp, right? It is a repeated action. I'm intentionally going over and over saying, I want this blade to be nice and sharp. It takes diligence. It takes planning. It takes discipline. It takes patience. And guess what, church? If you're going to teach these things diligently to the next generation, it's not a one-time action. It is not a, I got them to pray a prayer and they trusted in Jesus and now I'm going to ship them off to the church and take them to camp and make sure they go to VBS and Sunday school and I'm done, right? I did my job. They, they prayed a prayer. No, it is a repeated action. Teach these things diligently to your children. Over and over. Hone it in, right? This blade that's passing over and over. All right, we had a... Two steps back, maybe we can have three steps forward. Can I pray with you? Can, can we understand that, that you don't have to walk in that fear because God's with you always? It's a lesson we just learned as a family. Isaiah 41, have not, no fear. Do not be afraid for I, the Lord God, am with you always. Man, I don't just say that once. I got to say that over and over and over and over and over again. Teach these things diligently to your children. What is happening in your home that is like that sharpening knife, that repeated action that you're impressing on your children? This is how I'm praying that God would help you love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. I realize that I, I, I sound like a redundant banging gong. But you know why? Because I need that reminder all the time. Aaron, I have put you in your home as a spiritual leader. It takes planning. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. Impress these things to your children. I wonder, I wonder if you need some help with discipline and intentionality to impress these things diligently to your children. And here's where we're going to get even more practical. 
It happens in the planned and the unplanned times. If you look at the language here, sitting in your home, walking by the way, lying down when you rise, there is some time that's planned, sitting in your home, intentional, it's planned. But walking by the way, there are times that conversations happen that you didn't plan for. And here your kids are asking you questions about the Lord and you have an opportunity to speak about God's goodness and his grace and his law and his justice and his holiness and his righteousness and his love and his mercy. It's unplanned, right? So you may hear this language more and more and more as we continue, but I would call those planned intentional times faith talks. And you want to have one, three, five planned faith talks every week in your home. And the unplanned or the unintentional times, God moments. So let me just walk through this. A faith talk that sitting in your home, when you lie down, when you rise, it's intentional. There's a great website called empoweredhomes.com. It's a church out of uh, Katy, Texas. It's Kingsland Baptist Church. Empoweredhomes.com. I printed this off from their website. It's a really good little conversation starter for your home. They say this about faith talks. A faith talk is a regularly scheduled time when your family gathers to talk about their faith. Kids, I just said faith. There it is. Regularly talk about their faith. This could be a family discussion, family devotions, family Bible reading, or conversations after church on Sunday. It might look like getting out your Bible three times a week at the dinner table. Leaning on this, it might look like sitting as a family at the dinner table three times a week. That might be the first step. It's an intentional time. When you put them to bed, I want to read this blessing over you. If you didn't get those blessing cards from last week, there may be a few in this box, but Miss Melinda can hook you up, all right? Our office has been printing those like this. We want to read scripture over our kids as we pray for them, as we tuck them in. It might look like an intentional time. There for a while, my wife was leading the high-low time at dinner. What was the high of the day? What was the low of the day? Just to generate conversation. There's a time, and we don't do it as much as we used to. I'd love to do it more because I love to sing. Or I'd get out my guitar three or four times a month, and we'd sing two or three songs, and we'd gather together and say, what, what, what can you thank God for and what can you ask God for? If you don't know how to pray with your family, this is a really good rubric. It is intentional, planned faith talk. Get the family together and say, here's one thing we're going to do as a family. Everyone's going to pray, one thing to thank God for, one thing to ask God for. God, I thank you for this. God, I ask you for this. Right? It's, It's actually not that hard. Sometimes dads will come to me and say, I just, I don't know that I can plan all these sermons for my family devotions. And I say, what are you doing planning sermons? for your family devotions. I can't do that either, right? But you can gather together and pray. You could tell Alexa to play your favorite praise song, sing it all together, and then thank God for one thing and ask God for one thing. You don't have to know how to play the guitar, all right? I've given this book away. We, we read through the Jesus Storybook Bible um, over and over and over. Multiple copies till it fell apart over and over and over. It's a great Bible storybook if you don't have it, all right? Uh, there's another option, this one, um, written by Kevin DeYoung. It is the biggest story, how the snake crusher brings us back to the garden. I've given this away before, and there was a member of our church that bought a half dozen copies to give away more. And so if there's a kid in the room, I'm looking around, that did not get a Bible today, and I see your hand up, you're fine. 
And you will ask mom and dad to read this with you. I will give you this book right now. Do you want this book? All right, I was looking at you. You're shaking your head. Anyone else that will ask mom and dad to read this book with them once a week? Come on now. There's gotta be one kid in here. I'm gonna call them out. Come on up, dude. Did you get a Bible today? You did get a Bible. All right, then I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call um, Manning or Major. Why don't y'all run up here and get this book? You better hurry. You better hurry and run up here and get this book. Now here's the deal. You've gotta ask mom or dad to read this once a week. You got it, man. Come on. You got, you got to read that whole thing and then tell me about it, okay? Give it up for those boys. Here's the deal. If you're using a, a Bible storybook like that, the biggest story ever told, or Jesus storybook Bible, the goal is to make it fun, okay? We used to sit on the floor with our young kids. They would turn it into a wrestling match, and the, the preacher and me would get upset and be like, we're trying to have our family devotion. Why are you turning this into a wrestling match? And then some other brothers that were holding me accountable said, Aaron, just have the wrestling match and get them tired. And then 20 minutes later, you can have the family devotion. It's not a big deal. Make it fun. If you have young kids, there is a, a very good resource called Seeds Family Worship. Seeds Family Worship. Write that down. You can YouTube it. You can buy their stuff. You can watch their stuff. And it's only scripture set to music. It's really fun. Check it out. We used to do this... Uh, family devotion where we would open to the gospels and look at the, the Lazarus narrative and we would literally waste rolls of toilet paper and our kids love this. They're like, I want to be Lazarus. And we'd wrap them up in toilet paper until they couldn't even see, right? And then someone would play Jesus, say, Lazarus, come out. And they'd bust through the toilet paper. We'd say, Jesus brings people back to life. Guess what? Our kids remember that. It's fun and it's exciting. We've got Plenty of pictures where our kids dressed up to do the Christmas story. Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph are coming in as a donkey. They stuff a pillow under their t-shirt. Like, I'm going to have a baby, right? They love it. It's fun. If you don't know how to have fun with stuff like that, ask me, ask my wife. We'll come over to your house and we'll show you. We'd love that. We would love nothing more. Make it fun. Make it simple, all right? You don't have to prepare you can grab a resource. We were given one at family camp where we have one family devotion per week for the next 52 weeks. It's really simple. It's on one four by six note card. It's, it doesn't have to be difficult. You can just start doing high low at the dinner table. That's intentional. Try to bring the Lord into that conversation. The other thing I'd tell you is take it one step at a time. Right, if you are not doing this at all in your home to say, all right, we're gonna come pray at the end of the service and we're gonna get on our knees and we're gonna do five faith talks every week. I have a warning for you. You're probably gonna burn out, okay? Take it one step at a time. If you're not doing anything at all in your home, bring a blessing card home and say, I wanna tuck my kids in and read this scripture over them three times a week. It's a good goal, small step. And once that becomes second nature, praise God, right? <laughs> And then add something else. Say, we're going to read through the Jesus Storybook Bible once a week. So I'm praying this three times a week. I'm going to read this once a week. And that becomes second nature. Do the Alexa and sing a praise song and pray with your family, right? Take it one step at a time. You don't need to overcommit and then get burnt out and then you do nothing. Small steps in the right direction made repeated over time makes a huge impact. I want you to see that potential. Faith 
talks, and I just want to be transparent with you. There are two things I want to say here about how we are not perfect at this. We have raised some amazing kids, and by the grace of God, they are better than we could have imagined, right? 14, 12, and 10, if you've met my kids, hopefully you've been blessed. But I also want you to know that Chris and I have fallen on our face more times than we can count. I'm going to tell you of one of them right now. I was really big into this whole faith talk thing. I was a student pastor in Dallas. Uh, Gracie is young. She's five years old when we, um, she was five years old when we moved to Roswell. She was even younger than that when we moved to Dallas. She was a baby. And, and I'm trying to do this faith talk thing. We're trying to read Jesus Storybook Bible. And I got so upset one time when Chris and I would sit down, we're on the floor, we're ready to do this whole faith talk family devotion. And lo and behold, Gracie brings out a musical Elmo book. And like, I want to read Elmo. And I'm like, no, you don't, you punk. You want to read about Jesus. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't call my daughter a punk in that moment, but I thought it. And I was all worked up with all this kind of anger thinking, what is she doing? This is the family devotion time. So the wisdom of my wife looks at me and says, Aaron, we can read two stories. It's okay. <laughs> and praise God, it was okay. We read musical Elmo and it was fine. And then we read Jesus' storybook Bible and we prayed over our daughter. This other one's more recent. I just told you about those camp cards that we got from family camp. C, circle the family up. A, ask God to show you something from the word. M, I can't remember. This, this, thank you. Meditate on God's word. Thank you very much. And, and P, practice something that you just learned, right? Put it into practice. Well, I came home and I told our kids, we are going to get through all 52 of these. We're going to do it once a week and it's going to be awesome. And guess what I didn't do last week in my second effort? I didn't lead the family in, in the camp devotion. Now, we did do one yesterday, but we're a week behind. You know what that means? I'm not perfect at this. And you won't be perfect at this. But even making small steps in the right direction will have a huge impact in the life of your kid. In aiming to have a Christ-centered home. Faith talks are the planned time. Let me talk briefly about the unplanned time. The God moments. As you walk by the way, some things are going to happen in the unplanned times. Here's their definition from Empowered Homes. God moments are the unplanned moments parents can capture to strengthen your relationship as a family and your relationship with Christ. Unlike faith talks, these are unexpected and unplanned opportunities that you can use to talk about your faith. They can be positive for moments along uh, with difficulties. Excuse me. They can be positive for moments along with difficult situations. Even if you're having a difficult situation, you can talk about the Lord. As you walk, by the way, these are spiritual conversations. How do you take something that, that you didn't plan for and slow down and talk about the Lord? I'll give you one. One time my wife had a flat tire and I went to go change the flat tire and it was hot and all the kids were in the car and they were running late. They had dentist appointments. And I was like, we're gonna just change this real quick. And we were calling the dentist, like asking if we can change the appointment. All the kids are in the car and I'm frustrated and I lash out at my wife. I'm like, why are you so, so frustrating right now? You know why that's a God moment? Because then in front of my kids, I have to say, kids, I'm sorry. Daddy lost his patience. It was, it was hard. It was hot. I'm worried about the car. We don't have the, the, the right tools that we need to jack up her car. I'm frustrated about the dentist and I should not have talked to mom that way. Please forgive me. And I, I apologize to her. Please forgive me. Why is that a God moment? Because it teaches them about grace. 
It teaches them about forgiveness. It teaches them about repentance. There's a moment here in the passage in the context, verse 20, it says this, when your son asks you in a time to come, what's the meaning of these testimonies and statutes and rules that the Lord has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were, in Pharaoh's, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. There are moments that your kids are gonna ask questions. Parents, can I get a witness? There are moments that your kids are gonna say, why, 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 why do we pray, why? Why do we say in Jesus' name, why? Mom and dad, why? Well, guess what? You can turn that into a God moment. Isn't that great? Let's talk about the Lord. And it's gonna take you impressing this on your heart. Rather than getting frustrated or impatient, you impress this on your heart and you say, let's talk about that. This is an unplanned time. Now, I want you to see this. You got this in your bulletin. Can you hold it up? Yeah, hold it up. Everyone got one of these? It's right here uh, on the screen. They have taken this, again, Empowered Homes, that's the EH, and they've said, sit in your home, walk by the way when you lie down, when you rise. They've taken that as mealtime, drive time, bedtime, morning time. Melinda, when she sends out emails to our parents, has this very same language in the parent queue. Here's how you can talk to your kids about these things as you drive in your car, as you sit in your home, when you tuck them in, when they wake up in the morning. We'll make this kit available to you, but in the car, I just want to give you one example. In the car, you're walking, by the way, in the car, and it's a really good time to engage the heart of your kid and ask them good questions. This conversation kit, it's so convicting to me because it says here are things that aren't good enough. It's great that you're asking questions, but here are things that are actually not as great as they could be. How was school? I ask that all the time. That's convicting to me. Hey, how was your day today, right? Did you have fun? Who'd you sit with? Was your teacher nice? These are basic questions that don't engage the heart of your kid, but then they've got some other suggestions. Try these instead. Tell me one thing you learned today. Right, if you're tired of getting, how was school? Fine. The one word answer, the grunt, right? Ugh. Ask a more specific question. What was the best thing you did at school? Tell me the names of four kids you sat closest to you at lunch. What class rules did your teacher say were important? Did anyone have anything fun or interesting to talk about? What was the best game you played at recess, right? There are better questions to ask along the way. And so I want you to understand these rhythms. You've got that card there. If you have questions, please come ask us. I just wanna, I wanna ask you this, parents. How are you connecting to the heart of your kid? How, how are you at this goal of passing down one generation to the next, a legacy of faith? And we wanna be helpful here at FBC. We want to encourage and equip. If you didn't see these and your kids came in today and you were like, I didn't see those at the coffee bar. Guess what? You missed last week at the Parenting in the Pew. We have these available to you. Melinda's made these available at ch children's check-in, also at the coffee bar. Incredibly helpful way to try to keep your kid engaged and not just distracted. We don't want kids in here just to be distracted. We want them to be engaged. We want them to ask the question, why did he make me squeeze your hand every time you said faith? Well, let's talk about that God moment. What does faith mean? Who do we have faith in? Why do we need to walk by faith? What does it mean to trust God? We've got these tools. We've had trainings all throughout the summer and we'll have more trainings. Mark your calendars for our next family conference. It's March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 2024. There's a family life weekend, family life weekend. We've already started talking about speakers and who, who's coming in to help us lead this conference. Mark your calendars. 
There's also something that Sean and Melinda do called the parent link. It's a parent uh, meeting where they talk about what your kids are learning. All these ways we're trying to equip you. Don't be that parent that says, I didn't know what to do. Don't be that parent that says, I don't know if I can do this. Review the plan. I think, we, I think that's clear. Practice the process. Find a rhythm. I want you to see one more thing before we're done. Take the warning seriously. Because as we read the, the rest of the context of Deuteronomy 6, verse 10 through 15, I'm going to skip you down to verse 12. Moses is saying, as a messenger of the Lord, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and his name you shall swear by. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and destroy you from off the face of the earth. Moses is warning Israel before they go into the promised land. Don't forget. Don't be that broken link. Don't be the generation that fails to pass it on. Because you know what happens in Israel's history? They're the broken link. God rescued them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land and they worship idols. They fail to pass it on to the next generation. There's a warning here when we see God's plan for the home, one generation passing down a legacy of faith to the next generation, that if you fail to do that, it's bad news for all the generations that go behind. He knew that if Israel became idol worshipers, then their kids would become idol worshipers. I wonder if there are any idols in your home. I wonder if there are anything in your home that you love more than the Lord. I wonder if there are any rhythms in your life that show that your greatest ambition is not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Here's one that may be a challenge. I wonder if your children are the idol in your home. That if you love your children more than you love the Lord, that's a bad deal. A child-centered home is not good. A Christ-centered home is the goal. I wonder if your children's activities are idols in your home. Your kids would say, what's the priority? It's baseball. What's the priority? It's dance. They wouldn't say it's the Lord. They would say carting our, our, our whole family all over the hill country throughout all central Texas. That's the priority for us. Now, granted, you're here, and so I'm probably preaching to the choir, but I think you know what I'm getting at. I think you know what I'm getting at. God warned them, take this warning seriously. Don't be that idolatrous generation that fails to pass down a legacy of faith to the next generation because the consequences are Vast. Don't be the broken link in the chain. And I just want to tell you this. I told you I started with it. If you look to your own home when you were a child as an example and you say, it's a broken link. I don't know how to pass it on because I didn't see it modeled for me. Can I just tell you the power of the gospel? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How amazing it is that we have an opportunity to be the first unbroken link in the chain. And you know how I know that God is able to do this? Because he promises it in the Bible. The end of the Old Testament, 
in Malachi, the prophet Malachi, is this beautiful promise that someone's coming, like Elijah the prophet, someone's coming that's going to prepare the way. The Messiah is going to get here, and he's going to turn back hearts of fathers back to their children and children to their fathers. Here's how it's promised in Malachi 4. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And then in Luke chapter 1, you know what it says? I love this. It is an answer to that promise. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be, the great, he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And make ready for the Lord a people prepared. God keeps this promise. John the Baptist prepared the way. Messiah came and Jesus gives us new hearts. So even if you're the first home and the first unbroken link, can I tell you, the power of the gospel is not just to save you. The power of the gospel is to redeem you fully and do the things he's called you to do. His plan is that you be spiritual leader in your home. And if you feel unequipped, just look to Jesus. He's our redeemer. If you think it's impossible, ask the God who has already made a way for your heart to change. And he'll change your heart. Ask yourself this question. Does God's vision for my home match my vision for my home? And if it needs to change, come up here and pray. And then take this challenge. If you know anything you can do differently, any step of obedience that you can do differently, that you might honor the Lord with your home, would you come and pray with your family at these steps today? It's an open invitation for you to move, literally move. And I talked to a family yesterday, excuse me, last Sunday, that said, we just don't want to go in front of everybody. Go to the back of the room. I don't care. Just get up and move. Get up and show some sign of movement that says, Lord, I need your help. I'm committing to you. I'm asking you to do something big in my home. I see your plan. And I want to practice these things to love you first and then teach these things diligently to my children. Would you get up and move? And if you say, I don't know how to do that because I'm not a Christian. Don't you know that anytime the Bible is open, we have an opportunity to see Jesus. He's the hero of this story. And if you've not surrendered your life to him, the repentance, turning away from sin and trusting in him, that can be you today. The power of salvation is Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin and lived righteously, even though you couldn't, you didn't do it and I didn't do it and no one could earn it. But he says, turn from sin and trust in me and I'll give you my righteousness. I'll pay for your sin and I'll give you a brand new heart and make you able to obey. That'd be a beautiful response. If you're like, I don't know how to do this Christian parent thing. First, give your life to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. And there are so many things on our mind and on our heart and we just need your help. Lord, we need your help. And so show yourself to be faithful, God. And all across the room as families make commitments here, Lord, I pray that you would give them such a confidence that you hear their cry for mercy. Jesus, you're able to redeem them fully. Prove your goodness, Lord. You're a promise keeper. You're faithful. And you desire for moms and dads and all kinds of other spiritual parents to be pouring out a legacy of faith. And so be our help. 
pray in Jesus' name.